and welcome to episode two of Unexpected Moments podcast. I am your host, John Trigunner. Unfortunately, Will Hart couldn't be here today due to COVID, but we're going to continue on with the next episode. Um, we've got a very exciting guest on who is actually my father, Rhett, Rhett Trigunner. Um, he's had multiple experiences in life of dealing with money and investments, and I know for a fact that many of us have requested it and want to get a better understanding of, firstly, his experiences what he's dealt with and how he's learned and how can we kind of take learn, learning and lessons from it and develop and understand how we can invest our money properly. So I'll start away. Hey, Dad, welcome. And thank you for being here firstly, by the way. Thank you, Johnny. My pleasure. And, um, and appreciate you saying that it's exciting. I don't know whether it's exciting, but I appreciate the label. Um, I think, John, you've waited for COVID to uh, isolate us so you can get me <laughs> locked away on this discussion. Um, but I'm happy to help, happy to answer some of your questions, but at the same time, I want all all the young people to know out there that yes, I'll share my experiences where I've made a lot of mistakes, uh, where I changed things if I had the chance to be younger again, but at the same time, that's a learning lesson, and please don't take anything that I say as advice. Um, Obviously, there's professionals out there that can help you um, with absolute advice around what you're doing with your finances. I think also, um, aside from finances, young people should be looking at investing in their health and investing in their ongoing education at the same time because it's the knowledge that builds wealth. That's great. Appreciate that. So just as he highlighted again, this is not advice. This is just his story of his lifetime, what he's experienced and what he's learnt. Correct. Now, I think the best thing is to start off a bit from the start of your lifetime. So... And please correct me if I'm wrong and put any input in. You started off as a young boy in Melbourne. Yes, I was a young guy. I always, as a, as a young guy, wanted to be a veterinarian, had a love of animals, and uh, tried to study hard, do the chemistry, maths, biology, uh, and physics. And uh, I think at that time, this is going back a long time ago, HSC was out of uh, 410. So you had uh, four subjects that you had 100% for and then one that was 10% and you could take the best one as, as your 100. Yep. You needed a minimum of 396 uh, to uh, get into veterinary out of 410 and I came well short of that. So that uh, led me to change my objectives and uh, I went on and did um, science, which was quite interesting. Yeah, you did a degree in science at a university in Melbourne, correct? Yeah, yep. I did a degree of, in science and uh, had an interest in science because of the veterinary side of things and uh, thought I might have a go again at getting back into veterinary. But then uh, I had a CEO of a pharmaceutical business come to a dinner one night and talked about the, uh, the exciting things they were doing all around the world globally, how they were helping to uh, improve the health of many communities, but also how it was a thriving business. And uh, it really, really excited me. In fact... I think there was a room of about 30 people at the dinner and I think I asked about 15 of the 20 questions on the night. Uh, and I felt uh, that I'd actually found my career pathway rather than going from science into a laboratory. Uh, it was an opportunity to mix business, which I had a passion for, with the science and knowledge I had. So through a fair bit of persistence, um, making a long story short, I was able to interview after finishing my degree And I was lucky enough to be picked up by a large American pharmaceutical company that at that point in time was on the brink of uh, launching a number of huge products worldwide. So passion and timing was sort of lucky then because we went on to launch some really big global blockbuster drugs. And being a large organization, it put me through a lot of training that I still value today. So 
Um, lots that went on there. Love sales. Uh, got involved with that. Got to travel the world because of sales. And uh, and then, long story short, after having a passion there, I was able to, I think there were 80 reps in the company in the second year I won rep of the year, just through the passion that I had and the relationships I had with clients. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, had to deal with medical practitioners and specialists and of course they're just people and uh, lovely people and when you build relationships and trust um, it enables you to um, meet your objectives and uh, build your business mm. fantastic fantastic and what are you currently doing right now so i'm the ceo of an organization um, and uh, it's an organization that op- operates not only here but um, around asia has a footprint quite wide. I manage the Australian uh, business and uh, I think we've got 168 uh, full-time staff and around about 15 um, uh, semi-permanent people we utilise. So uh, very exciting. I've had the, um, the opportunity to build that business, um, to go through the GFC, to deal with many, many challenges and uh, understand that it's all about Every circumstance, as bad as it looks, and, and you mentioned COVID-19 right now, uh, COVID-19, as awful as it is, represents a massive opportunity for those people who are prepared to innovate. It really does. Uh, I won't go into a list of those things, but you've got to be flexible. You've got to be innovative. And more importantly, uh, you not only have to be an ideas person, you have to implement. And implementing is not as sexy as some other things. It's, it's hard work. But that's where the success of businesses comes from. Fantastic. I really appreciate you telling a little bit about the story of your life and a quick introduction. One thing I just quickly want to add on to that. As, as a CEO, obviously, you, you go through a lot of interviews and a lot of processes of people trying to come towards your business or join. Mm. Especially during this moment of time. I know everyone's talking about it. But for someone like myself who's graduating, at, hopefully by the end of this year... And for others who unfortunately don't aren't as lucky as I am, where I've had the opportunity from 18 years old, where I was lucky enough to go and start off at an insurance company and build my kind of experience in the corporate world. But for someone who doesn't have that luxury and who's graduating their job, what's one thing you or a couple of things you can recommend for them going through their interview process? Because especially right now, there won't be a lot of graduation jobs going around. Yeah, we don't know. So um, let's see what happens with this COVID-19 scenario and, and how quickly we're able to get back to some sort of normality. I have a feeling once we get back to normality, I'm hoping that the economy is in a position that it doesn't drag out too long, that we're able to build things up again. That'll create jobs again. The government will certainly be focused on creating jobs for many people and getting us back on track. But um, let's say worst case scenario, whether it's a, uh, a time where it's highly competitive for roles or it's not, I, th- I think I see a lot of graduates and our HR manager will tell me that a lot of them just follow the same process. So they've, they've got a degree. A degree basically, depending on the role, and it's usually a junior role of course, um, gets you the interview. And then it's about differentiating yourself and it's no different than when you're in the marketplace and you have a product and you're presenting that to a, a client. Um, what does your product represent? What do you understand the client's looking for? And how do you fulfill that requirement? So from a young person's perspective, I'd be thinking about uh, not just looking at the company website, which is quite standard these days. Uh, I think uh, if you're able to speak to some of the employees in the company and, and contact them and ask them about the culture and ask them about the objectives, understand the uh 
the uh, strategy that the company is looking to fulfill and the objectives the organization has, understand the career pathway that it has for people in its organization. That comes from talking to their HR people, but also more importantly, contacting uh, a couple of their clients and getting an understanding of what their client's perception of them is, what's working well, where they can improve. Uh, I think if you're doing those sorts of things, you're going beyond. It's not very difficult to do. Yep. Um, it takes a bit of gumption and uh, it takes a bit of uh, resilience to follow it up. But at the end of the day, I think if you're getting that information and you're going to an interview, then you really have an inherent understanding of that organisation. And when you talk about wanting a long-term career, and let's face it, with the way the generations are now, it fluctuates. But if you're looking at some form of career with that organisation, then you've got some real content to share and an understanding of, of the IP around the organisation. Uh, I would say uh, one in a thousand people would do that currently. Very, very interesting. That's definitely something that I think majority of um, graduates don't understand or didn't know previously. So if you're listening and you are becoming a graduate or a graduate, I would definitely look into those kind of options to see if it's something that can actually give you competitive advantage over other um, interviewees. Um, so I just wanted to make it straight. So, for example, right, if I, I came to you and I said I spoke to client A, B or C and they said really positive things about what you're doing, however, they've said they would like an improvement on this. Say if it's a skill or an attribute that I personally feel like I can bring towards the table and I can provide a, say, not even a solution, say, hey, Rhett, this is what I, has happened. I really believe I can help push this because of my skills. So this client comes back and feels happy and better than what they were previously. Is that something that you were trying to speak about or not necessarily? You could, I think um, the first thing is, the question we ask is, um, why do you want to work with our organization? So I think a lot of the information that you collect should go towards that, which is, well, I've spoken to some of your employees, I understand this is the training program, this is the career pathway they've had, I understand this is the culture uh, and the leadership uh, and the performance. Yeah. At the same time, I've also spoken to some of your clients. This is what they have to say. This is where they see your strengths. This is where they see some of your weaknesses, and that's interesting versus your strategy. And then finally, what I bring to the table is uh, I'm hoping you see from the interview someone who's prepared to go beyond and actually understand your business and understand your clients. So whatever role you put me in, I'll continue to use that type of mentality in trying to help improve the business. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to have the answers there and then. You may have some ideas that you want to share that you might have thrown around and that may be of interest in the interview too because they'll show you, they'll show you're a person with initiative, not just a person who's prepared to come on in and just take you know, uh, direction and go on with things, but you're actually a thinker. You know, I think the way the world's going now, there's many doers. Uh, university students are put through the sausage machine. Uh, they come out knowing things. But uh, what business is looking for are real thinkers and innovators. That is uh, fantastic. And I appreciate you um, explaining a little bit about that and how we can improve as graduates with our um, interviews. Moving on now, this is the important topic and the one topic that with a lot of people have requested. But there's a way you wanted to kind of represent it was kind of your own experiences and what you've learned to where you are now and what you have done with kind of as a 21-year-old, we'll set you off as a 21-year-old like myself right now. You, you know, you have a, a part-time job, maybe a full-time job. What have you learned from when you first got your salary? 
where you kind of looked at, hey, where am I going to look at certain investments and what mistakes have you kind of made along the way which made you a better person with understanding the risk of how you kind of hold and use your money? Okay. I think, um, again, yep. this is an advice, this is a personal journey for me, but um, I think I, we're very, very lucky in Australia. I don't think young people today have their own challenges with the price of property and 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 there's always global fluctuations in what we do and we're becoming... You know, the world's becoming smaller and smaller all the time, so any impact in one country tends to have a ripple effect onto others. But um, I think as a young person, I was very lucky with the superannuation uh, structure that's set up. Um, there was, you know, the ability, obviously, to make uh, contributions from your salary into that. And because of the accumulative effect of uh, superannuation over time, it's a great uh, tax uh, model to use. You know, there's nothing like it around the world where you can contribute, um, you can accumulate, even if you're using a standard super fund, you can choose different funds and you can accumulate your wealth as a young person and the earlier you start, the better, yeah, because it makes a significant difference. That's that's one area that I was lucky as a, as a young person to uh, be involved with and continue to be involved with today. The other thing that where I made mistakes is quite often uh, very much like the horse races. I was always looking for the quick win, um, you know, the get rich campaign, looking at different opportunities with penny stocks. Some went well, some I got burnt on. It was never really a wealth strategy. It was more of a, an opportunistic uh, time. Uh, and I wouldn't suggest it as a mainstream investment approach. Yep. I, I think uh, young people today should be using... Uh, the time they have to their strength. So I would, you know, again, I, I sat down with a number of financial people that I respected, got their advice, you know, and it's always important to have advice from professionals, get their advice on their personal objectives, understand what they want to achieve because everyone has a different view of life of what they want to achieve, whether it's buying your first house, whether it's getting a car, whether it's looking for an investment opportunity, all those sorts of things, it's important to speak to professionals. Um, I went through my time not speaking to professionals early on and, and lost a bit of money along the way and made some silly decisions. I also uh, tried to live the life early when I moved from uni to a job. Yep. I, th I think uh, you know everyone will laugh at this on the podcast, but uh, uh, I'd gone from uh, a salary of $360 a week working as a, a bar manager on the Saturdays at the football to what I thought was an awesome amount of money, which was $32,000 per annum as a sales rep. I had a company car, I didn't pay for petrol, and I, I it was just... You for know, your B's and A's. Yeah, and the, yeah, yes, and I told everyone about it, unfortunately, <laughs> which I'd, actually, if I had my time again, I'd change that as well. But um, loved it, but what I did do was uh, waste my money. So uh, what I was worried about then is then having, the, with my salary, I rented, um, high-level stereo equipment. Um, I bought a property, but uh, the amount of money I was putting into it wasn't the maximum amount I could have. Um, I bought uh, furniture and all those sorts of things on interest loans. Uh, the interest rate for me when I bought a property was 17.5%, so that's quite a big chunk wow. out of your salary. These days, we're looking at under, well, just over well, under 3%, so it's a bit of a different world, but it will change, it'll go up and down. So 17% um, and then rental uh, uh, impact of interest of around 12%. Uh, and then I had, so I had a lot of debt very early on. 
and uh, wasn't managing it very well. It's pretty much my salary would come in and then the debts would take it out. Uh, it wasn't until I met your mum that she was very frugal and actually worked out pretty much how finances worked. That she, um, I was more the salesperson, she was more the finance person. Yep. It put me into line with the budget, <laughs> made sure all those things were sent back. And then we got on with actually investing in the property. What was your reaction of having to let go of those items? Was there any kind of... Um, Are you um, saying, did I have a hissy fit? Yes, yeah. I did. <laughs> uh, but uh, don't regret the decision. It was the best decision to make. You know, that was we, I wasn't ready for those things. I hadn't earned those things. So I had to build um, wealth and uh, came later on, which was good. But it was important that I pulled things in the line and became disciplined with what we did. So a budget was important, understanding pretty much with any budget, what's going out each month, what's going in each month, and as long as what's uh, coming in is higher than what's going out, then you're okay. You're yeah? positive, yeah. Yeah, so understanding your budget, uh, understanding your mortgage, key costs will be mortgage, uh, pretty much clothes, food, and those other things. And then you've got to also pull back on you know, a time where you're going out all the time. You know, we go out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that was pulled out back to two days a week just to manage that. Too bad. Two days is not too bad, though. No, it's pretty bad when you're used to four. <laughs> it's better than what I can do. <laughs> That's great. Well, I'll, look, we'll keep it to the time limit of 25. There's one last bit I want to talk about, which you did kind of just before previously talked about, was insurance. Mm. Now, as a young person, obviously insurance seems so far away because we're young and healthy. We don't think we need life insurance or income protection, etc. But... From your own experiences, your own stories, is there anything you've kind of wish you did do with insurance or? No, I think I think it comes back to those points I made before. You, you've mentioned the, the importance of uh, financial knowledge, yep. but that's only one part of the story. So there's no use having a good financial plan if you don't look after your health and your well-being. So your mental well-being, your physical well-being, um, you know, having some form of insurance around your health too to cover you. Uh, is really important. Uh, I know that a lot of young people these days also using health insurance so they can have massages and do all those sorts of things because in a stressful environment, that's really important. So I'd say, yes, having a financial plan, speaking to someone who's got expertise is important, not feeling as eager to take a shortcut, but take a long-term view or a medium-term view at least is, is important if you're young and have a plan. Have a budget, as your mum taught me at the same time, so you don't overspend and put yourself in the situation I did. Look after your health, so you're vibrant, feeling great, your brain switched on. You've got, um, potentially, if, if it's your, your, the option there, as I said, is for private health insurance, which enables you to do some other things and get covered in that. Have a look at what they offer so that you can uh, take advantage of that. And then finally is your education and knowledge. You know, it's really important that whether it's, you're, you know, you're, you've got to be learning all the time and listening to other people. No one knows everything. When you deal with different people, it doesn't matter who they are, whether they're junior or senior, you've got to be learning. And uh, I would uh, really encourage people, even when they finish university, is depending on their plan, whether that's around spirituality, financial, um, health, uh, any other matters, continue to read of what other people have done and done well, so you've got your knowledge. The knowledge, as I mentioned at the start, is really important factor because if you've got the knowledge and you know how to use it, it doesn't matter what happens in your life. You could take 10 steps back, but the time to get back to where you were is expedited by your knowledge. Yeah, You've got to keep learning. So I would encourage 
all the people out there listening, and sorry, it probably hasn't been exciting for you, but um, really, if you can look at finance, well-being and health, spirituality, as well as your knowledge, you're really on the right path to whatever it is you want to achieve. I don't think that was boring because I've had many, many people actually request it and try and understand it. So even just hearing from your life stories and obviously offering to get financial advice is the major key point if you're looking to do investments as well as not only that is your health, going to the gym, making time to make sure that you're actually feeling okay and you're feeling good and looking at other insurance options as well. I think that's awesome. One last message, buddy. I'd have to the... uh I know we said we'd keep the time down. Yeah. To everyone is, um, it's really important, no matter what you do in your life, be yourself. Yeah, be true to yourself. And decisions you make, you've got to take into account other people. Um, if you look after other people, they'll look after you. And as long as just the decisions you make, you can like straight in bed with, uh, that's a critical part of being a good human being. That's a fantastic, fantastic way to end the podcast. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And hopefully this brings a little bit of entertainment during this tough time of staying indoors. Thank you very much for listening to episode two. And I'll see you guys next for episode Thanks, three. Jeremy. Thank you. Thanks, Deb.